welcome you to episode six of Syracuse Sports. My name is Brent Dax. You know, a few years ago, I started a little uh, experiment, if you will, in a unique way to preview the Syracuse football season. We would take the corresponding year and tell you that many things to know about the season. Now, this started about 2014, 2015 or so. And uh, God bless my friend and, and my editor at the time. His name is Jason Murray, who said, are you sure you want to do this? Because the more we go through the years here, the more you're going to have to add to this, right? So here we are. It's 2023 and we're still doing it, baby. Let's go. 23 things you know about the Syracuse football season. We're talking stats. We're talking questions. We're talking over-unders or a little for entertainment purposes only in there. Why not? We're still doing it. And we got 23 of them for you. So Let's dive right in here. I'm actually going to start with a few over-unders for you. Emily Liker is going to hop in here and answer a few questions for us. And then uh, I'm going to play back some clips from training camp from a few players and head coach Dino Babers that addressed some of the questions that surround this team as well. So you're going to hear a number of voices as we go forward here. Let's start, though, in the over-under department. Number one, Garrett Schrader total touchdowns. Now, last year, Garrett Schrader had 20 six touchdowns. He had 17 passing. He had nine through the air. So I'm going to take the over this year. I'll throw a number at you. I think he's going to account for 30 touchdowns. We'll go 20 and 10, maybe 21 and nine on that passing to rushing. I think he's going to have a little bit more emphasis in the passing game. I think he's going to be better in the pocket. He is a weapon with his legs. He can extend passes. He can bounce off defenders. He can run away from defenders when he has to but I feel like the total touchdowns will bump up with a few more through the air. Let's take the over on that. Now let's stay on Schrader as we go to number two. Number two is uh, Garrett Schrader rushing yards. I'm going to go under on this, and the number to mark is 453. He had 453 rushing yards last season. I'm actually going to take the under on this. Now, like we said, Schrader is a weapon with his legs. He's great in the red zone there. If I'm an opposing defensive coordinator, I've got to take that into account. I just don't think he's going to have to run as much this year. He might come close to that number. I just don't think he goes over it. I'm going to take under 453. On to number three, and that is uh, Schrader's top target, Aronde Gatson. Last season, he had 969 receiving yards. That is the seventh highest total in Syracuse football history. He is a dynamic talent. He's also going to see a heck of a lot of attention from opposing defenses this year. And guess what? I'm still taking the over. As a matter of fact, I think he's going to have a 1,000-yard season even with the attention he's going to get from opposing defenses because he's just that darn good. We're talking first-round pick quality player here. Give me Gatson and the over. Number four, we go to the running game here with LaQuinn Allen. Now, last year, Sean Tucker, who is now on the roster of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as an undrafted free agent, had 1,060 yards. Tucker is one of the greatest running backs that Syracuse football has seen. Not only in recent memory, he's up there on that all-time list, and that's a lofty list as we know. So I'm not going to put the over-under at 1060, which is what he had last year. Let's say 800. For LaQuint Allen, and I am going to take the over on that. And I think he might split some carries with Jawan Price. He had a hell of a pinstripe bull. I think he had, what, 194 total yards in that matchup. 800, I think, is doable, even though I think the running game is important, but you can't 
expect as much out of it that you got from Tucker last year. And I do think LaQuinn Allen's going to be utilized in the passing game. If this was total yards, I would take the over all the way. But let's stick with rushing yards. And I am going to take the over for LaQuinn Allen there at 800. Number five, let's flip over to the defense. Marlo Wax. Now, Marlo Wax led this team last year with 91 total tackles. Marlo Wax is on a lot of preseason watch lists for awards at his position and overall defense. He's one of the highest graded linebackers out there in the ACC. He's an NFL prospect, but I'm taking the under on 91 tackles. And that is not a slight on the type of player that Marlo Wax is. I just think he's going to have a little more help on not only the defense overall, but at a deep position that he plays. This is all contingent on people staying healthy, of course, but I think they will. I think the defensive line helps out a little bit more there and he won't have to have 91 tackles this year, if that makes any sense. But look, that dude's all over the ball. If he went over here, it would not stun me. But I'm going to go just under 91. Number six, last year, Jihad Carter led this team in individual interceptions. As a team, Syracuse had 10 picks. He had three of those. Jihad Carter's now at Ohio State. Deuce Chestnut is now at LSU. They're mixing in some new players, including some transfers into the secondary. But Not only am I going to take the over on individual interceptions for a single player, I'm going to give you the guy, Elijah Clark, take the over, and let's say he gets five. Five picks this year as the trend of terrific players in the secondary continues. Look at Ify Melanfonwu, Andre Sisco. Unfortunately, Trey Williams just got cut this week by the Miami Dolphins, but has been in the National Football League here. Clark starts to step up as that next big name and give me the over. Number seven, no longer will Schmidt happen for Syracuse football as Andre Schmidt has moved on. The Lou Groza Award winner, one of the best kickers Syracuse football has ever seen. He had 20 field goals last year. He went 20 of 26. So we look at young Brady Denneberg stepping into the kicking position, the sophomore. I'm going to set the number at 20. Maybe I should lower that a little bit, like we were saying with Sean Tucker and LaQuinn Allen, but 20 feels like a number they could get close to if Schmidt had to kick that many last year, but I am going to take the under on that slightly. I think this team will execute enough offensively that they will not need Denneberg as much as they needed Schmidt. Now, Schmidt missed six kicks last year, right? For an accurate kicker, for a Lou Groza award winner. You know, that's a lot. Denneberg's a sophomore stepping in here. You're going to hear a clip from Dino Babers coming up here a little bit later on in this podcast and how much he loves both Denneberg and his punter, Jack Stonehouse. But I'm going to go just under 20 field goals this year for Denneberg. Number eight, let's just look at the win total, right? So most, for entertainment purposes only, marks that I've seen out there have Syracuse at six and a half, right? Which is a tougher number to project. Like, they were four last year in four and a half in some instances last year. I could not run fast enough to wherever I had to go to put a, a little something, something on that because that team just had six or seven wins written all over it. Of course they got there. So you cashed in the over last year. I'm not running to the booth or to see a, you know, Joey bag of donuts on the corner to put a bet on this one, but I am going to take the over. I, I predicted record is seven and five. That gets me over. Vegas knows what they're doing here when they kind of put that number right in that spot. They misfired last year. That was a rare mistake on Vegas' part to put Syracuse so low. This year feels a little bit more of a 
I, I at least got to think about it, but I am going to take the over. I'm at seven and five. So I get that there. Number nine, average attendance. Last year at the JMA Wireless Dome, Syracuse football averaged 40,827 fans. Now that was a killer lineup of home games. They started on a Friday night against Louisville. Purdue was a great matchup, Big Ten team, great quarterback coming in. That turned into one of the best games of the year. Virginia, you know, you had Jason Beck and at the time Robert and I, the Virginia matchup, juicy matchup early in the schedule, throwing Wagner NC State, that game was sold out. The buzz was building. Syracuse was undefeated. It was a big matchup. It was a ranked matchup, and the crowd was spectacular. Florida State, Notre Dame, that is a great home lineup last year, right? Compare that to Colgate, Western Michigan, Army, Clemson, Boston College, Wake Forest. I'm sorry, they're not matching that number. I'd love for the fans out there to prove me wrong. It looks like the students are coming strong again but I'm definitely taking the under on average attendance, which again, last year was 40,827. We have just begun here on the 23 and 23. We're nine down and Emily Liker is going to take us through the next, let's see here, nine we gave Emily. So we will do that coming up. Stay right there. The 23 and 23 rolls on. I have brought back uh, the most frequent guest here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast, Emily Liker. And uh, Emily, you are going to bring us through uh, 10 through 18 in the 23 and 23. Welcome back, by the way. Good to see you. you. Number 10, what defines success for the 2023 season for Syracuse football? I say it's finishing above 0.500 in the regular season. So that doesn't include the bowl game. So they can't go six and six in regular season and win a bowl game. I want above 0.500 in the regular season. hundred percent. We didn't plan this. We don't know each other's answers. What I said is a clear winning season. Like they go into a bowl game, no matter what they've got a winning season. I think that's fair for success for this team. Okay. Number 11. What is the swing game on the schedule? Okay, so I took this as like a game that they're probably going to be projected to lose but could win, and I think it's UNC. Like, that's the one that feels like they're going to be like the most underdog in but also have the chance to get that underdog narrative win and uh, and upset the Tar Heels. In a previous episode, one of our voicemailers made a strong case for Purdue. Mm on the road, maybe you don't see it coming, everybody's looking at him down, new coach, the whole thing. I just have a hard time picking game three as the swing game. I agree with you again. I think it's North Carolina because it's right in the heart of that brutal stretch where you got Clemson, Carolina, Florida State, at Virginia Tech. Plus, it's the middle of the season. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a literal swing game and how the second half could go. Look at last year, right? I mean, the the second half of the season was completely different than the first. So you and I agree, North Carolina. I think the Tar Heels might come up again here in this question, but we'll see. Number 12, who is this year's breakout player? I have cornerback Isaiah Johnson, who was just revealed as the second defensive captain this week. I just think he's going to be a lot bigger than people would have expected if you had said his name last year. Breakout player to me is maybe you know a name, they take a step up. Johnson's a great example. I think Isaiah Jones is a good example at wide receiver. He just didn't have enough time to claim that title last year. But only you know, I love tight ends. 
There's just so many candidates at this position, and I could flip a coin and take either Dan Villari or David Clement. Kind of obsessed with the freshman tight end. Big target. I can't imagine they're not going to put him on the field, starting against Colgate, by the way, because he's going to have opportunity to get in and maybe in a couple of these other games. I think David Clement breaks out this year, and everybody's Good like, pick. who Good is pick. that guy, right? <laughs> uh, number 13, who is the best player Syracuse will face this season? I Maybe not like the the best on paper, but I think the most challenging person they're going to face is, is Jared verse. And I know we're about to talk about the O-line more um, strong, strong, strong defensive lineman and AP all American preseason pick for the first team. He's going to be tough. And, and Syracuse knows that he dominated Syracuse a couple of years ago, playing for Albany. <laughs> okay. He had a pretty good game last year, but this dude, could be a top five pick in the draft. He yeah. could be the best defensive player in the draft. He's not my pick. What I wrote was Drake May, Jordan Travis, but don't forget about Verse. I almost picked Travis. I almost picked Jordan Travis, but I think I think they can handle a quarterback. Number 14, what is the deepest position on this team? Linebacker. I think that's I it's just the obvious answer. Like there are so many of them. Like even if all three starters, God forbid, were to go down, I would feel pretty much just as confident in this set of second string guys. It's amazing how this goes back and forth because there were times in recent years that was not the case. There were times in recent years where the the three linebackers would be, you know, they'd need those "Hello, my name is" tags because they would just flip from the year before. So to say that is is weird, and I'm getting used to that. I will say this. I agree with you. I think wide receiver could get there. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're giving me Gatson, that's the thing. <laughs> if we're combining the wide receiver tight end thing, yeah, that's pretty deep. If Gatson, Valari gets involved, if my guy Clement gets going, I think you know, Damian Alford has proved to be a, a true two. If Adams can step up, if Hatcher can step up, we mentioned Jones. Like mm -hmm. there, There's a lot of potential there, especially if Beck is as aggressive offensively as we think he might be. All right, on the opposite end, number 15, who uh, or what is, pardon me, the thinnest position on this team? The offensive line. Oh, we disagree on this. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. I just, there is another exercise that I was doing that made me realize that I don't know how confident I am in anyone past like the first top six guys on this depth chart. Like it is hard to make a reliable two deep at O line, I think, right now. I went with the guys the line are protecting for the running backs. There's just not enough known commodities at running back outside of LaQuinn Allen. I'll put Juwan Price in there because I think he's going to get some mm -hmm. opportunities here. Not that they have to go too deep at that position. Yeah. But I just go back to the offseason. We were talking about LaQuinn Allen. And if he did not come back, like you don't have a running back. And I get well, we could do a whole podcast about the running back position these days. <laughs> I think it's. By the definition of thin, I think there are some good offensive linemen on this team, but man, knock on wood, if a couple of those guys go down, oh boy. Okay, we are at number 16. What do we need to know about the offensive line? Speaking of which, good good lead in there to our to our next question. But it has little depth. No, I, I think just that, like, again, Dino Babers has said that the plan and the idea for this offensive line is to find the top five to seven guys and rotate them. So like 
don't be surprised if you see Enrique Cruz, who's listed at left, left tackle, come out and guard one game or someone go in at center if something happens. Like, you're going to see people across the board. So that's what I would say. There's a lot of new guys on the right side of the line mm, in particular, yeah. right? So no pun intended. So keep an eye on, on the right, if you will. Okay. Number 17, where does this team have to make the biggest improvement over 2022? Run defense. Run defense is a good choice. Eaten up last year on run defense, particularly in the back half of the season. Obviously, you were working with relatively inexperienced D-line, smaller D-line than a lot of the O-lines they were going up against. They haven't gotten too much bigger in size, but they have gotten a lot more experience, and I do think that will help. So I think that's something that definitely has to improve, and I can see improving. And it wasn't like, – there were some great running backs they played last year, obviously, but it kind of got to the point where it didn't matter if it was a star or not. They just got run over, <laughs> yeah. frankly. And we've heard – you mentioned linebacker. We've heard defensive lines a little deeper on this team. When they say deeper, I just they probably just mean healthier. Mm-hmm. Like there's, We'll have some dudes this year, yeah. whereas they lost some bodies in that department last year, I picked time management. I just, there was enough times last year where that was an issue, even in a couple games they won, but it's just one of those things that kind of stuck in people's craw. And I feel like, look, you're going to be in those close games. You're going to be in those tight situations. That's something that's got to be better. Number 18 in Emily's final question here (laughs) in the rapid fire 23 and 23 exercise. Uh, What has to stay exactly on track from last year? Ooh, okay. I said, I I was just thinking on track from now. I wasn't thinking necessarily from last year. So I said health because they mm. may, they stayed relatively healthy in fall camp. There were some owies, as Dino likes to say, people <laughs> in and out, a couple green jerseys that then were off by the end of camp. But they only lost one player to a preseason season-ending injury. Health, I think, is the biggest thing by far that they need to stay on track with this season. He is more than welcome to improve. But my choice is Garrett Schrader. Mm. I think Schrader got comfortable in that offense. I think when he wasn't hurt, Schrader had a perfect balance. I shouldn't say perfect, but a a good grade when it came to balancing the run in the pass. You could see his confidence build in the passing game. He's got great targets this year. Just stay online. He's got when I say stay on track, like there's consistency with Beck, you know, being the offensive coordinator now. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I think that improvement will naturally come as uh, completion percentage a lot better last year than the year before that. We'll see if that continues to build. The 23 and 23 rolls on coming up with some Syracuse sound bites. But Emily, thank you for uh, hopping in here. We'll see you next time. Let's hear from some coaches and players and some of the standout things that they said to me during training camp leading into the 2023 season. Number 19, I asked Dennis Jacquez Jr., who got a little buzz in camp, about what he's doing on the defensive side of the ball, about what new defensive coordinator Rocky Long is bringing to the table. Same defense, but what kind of spin is he putting on it? What what kind of dynamic has Coach Long brought? Honestly, his scheme is just something I've never seen before. Just the different looks that we give, and then we'll run something completely different compared to last year. And it's obviously just it's cool. And I, if I was an offensive player, I'd I'd be a little worried. I ain't gonna lie. I'll put a little pep in your step if you're a Syracuse fan hearing Dennis say that. Number 20. Let's go to the head coach here. Depth on the defensive line became an issue for Syracuse football as the season went along last year. How's it looking going into 
this season. It's better. It's way better. I really think this is as deep as we've been in a long time. Now, you say that, and all of a sudden, guys start dinging out. But uh, that means getting hurt out. So let me be clarify that. But the biggest thing is I really do think this is as deep as we've been on the D-line. And they really developed. Even though we lost some cats, they're, they're really developed. And they're really challenging the offensive line every day to be better because not only are they good in the first group, they're good in the second group, and they've got some guys standing out in the third. So the O-lines really had to come to practice every day to stay with these guys, and they're kind of growing up together. Big brother's growing up, little brother. We're going to stick with the head coach, and uh, we're going to go to number 21 here, and that is the kickers. Not only Brady Denneberg taking over for Andre Schmidt, Jack Stonehouse has got a little NFL lineage. He's got a punting family. I really like my kickers. I really like my kickers. Right now, they're MVPs to me. I think it's going to be one of our biggest differences than last year. What do you like about it? One kicks it really high and really far, and the other one kicks it up between the uprights. With Jack, can you kind of tell he's comes from a punting family? There's some. There's no doubt. He's got he's got some tutelage, and uh, almost like an Iran day with his dad playing for the Dolphins. There's there's certain things that he does. Now you still got to coach him. I mean, they don't have all the answers. They would. They still need coaching, but uh, there's no doubt he's got a fantastic, fantastic base, really good foundation putting the ball. That is Dino Babers on his kickers. Sounds uh, pretty confident there. We're going to finish out with uh, QB1 here, number 22. Now, this was early in camp, but I flat out asked uh, Dino, uh, not Dino, I asked Garrett Schrader earlier in camp about whether he thinks this is a bowl team or not. This is a six-win team. That's the standard. That's what they got to last year. Here's what he said about that. This is this team will be ball eligible. It's just now, how? what else can we do to win those close games? I mean, I think two years ago we lost four games by three points. Last year we go 6-0, and we get beat up, and have a tough stretch of wins. So this team is deeper than both of those teams, and we have more talent than both of those teams the past two years. So... I don't think that would be the issue. It's just making sure that we're taking it day by day in order to get there. So we have a deep squad. I mean, we got talent across the board in every position, offense, defense, and special teams. So we got the coaches and the scheme that we need to do to go and win games. And it's going to be tough to stop us. So, um, I mean, that's, that's the way I look at it. Garrett Schrader there on this is a bowl team, starting from six wins and building on. And why not? That's the expectation you set from a year ago. Now, in past years, when asked about this, Dino Babers would say, doesn't matter. We don't need a number one receiver. We just need options. We need targets here. There is no question who uh, WR1 is on this team, and that's a Ronde Gatson. But Dino has been pretty adamant through camp that they find a number two. Did Garrett Schrader find his number Coach two? Coach has been pretty adamant. He wants to see a top two in the receiver group emerge. I think we know who one is. Do you have your two? I mean, there's a bunch of guys. Damien is probably that guy right now. And um, especially doing a lot of different formation, a lot of different things with those two. It's been awesome. And um, I'd say Damien right now, but there's a total list of other guys that can go out and have been, have been making plays and will continue to do that. So but that's who I put my top two right now. Aronde and Damien, one and two, but he mentioned it. Isaiah Jones, Hatcher, the tight end position could be more involved in the passing game. Uh, Demarcus Adams, there's a few guys that could kind of inch their way up the the list there and try and knock on Alford's door at number two. We made it 23 things to know about the 2023 
Syracuse football season. We thank you for listening and watching on YouTube. Please subscribe on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, uh, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. And uh, please leave us a review. It helps us stand out in that uh, crowded podcast field out there. For those of you that have done that already, thank you. But if you could find a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be spectacular. Don't forget the voicemail line at 315-552-1964. You can leave us a voicemail anytime about anything, and we'd love to include them in some future uh, episodes of the podcast. We just did the mailbag uh, in episode five. If you missed that, I had a couple of voicemails in there and love hearing your voice here on the pod. I want to thank Nate Mink, Lauren Long, Scott Schild for their technical assistance here today. And of course, I want to thank you for watching and listening to the podcast. And of course, thank Emily Liker, who joined us today as well. We'll talk to you next time here on Syracuse Sports.